Hi, Joel. Hello, Marcus. Nice to meet you for the first time. Yes, actually, I've seen you perform before, I realized. Oh, I when? I went up one evening when Three of a Perfect Pair was during the camp at Full Moon Resort. Um, and I wasn't familiar with you. I, I you know, I've, I actually had never heard that group, so I wanted to experience that. And, um, and it was really amazing. And I was like, who's this other guy playing the stick? This is crazy. Two stick players. What's going on? <laughs> so that was really powerful. And I have to say, really loud. <laughs> it was really loud. Yeah. Oh, in that barn, man, I had to like run into the bathroom and get some some uh, toilet paper to put in my ears. No offense, great playing, but I don't know how those students deal with that. <laughs> you know, I'm it. You know, I'm fortunate that I've been using in ears for the last like six, seven years. But before that, it was it was horrible. Yeah, sure it was. Like, and I, I remember a tour um, uh, around like 2011 with with Tony Levin. Yeah, and he had he had like four amps and three monitors kind of like built around him, <laughs> and it was so incredible. And you know, Pat Maslota's drum is so incredibly loud. Yeah, um, and I, I I did damage my hearing. Um, you know, oh, playing. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it's okay now. Like the in-ear in-ear monitoring is is wonderful. I don't know. Do, do you have experience with in-ears at all? No, I just haven't done enough really loud situations <clears throat> to to justify that. So yeah, yeah, but it's really it's really wonderful. I I can tell you. Like I was I wasn't um, convinced about the co concept before I tried it. Yeah. And so now even even at low low volume gigs I use in ears when I can. Oh. Yeah. Because okay. you know I I do a lot of like uh, ambient uh improvisation where I kind of uh also act as a producer of the sound at the same time as I'm playing. Oh. And and like having having things so close and direct really helps to produce a finished product, <laughs> let's say <laughs> in the moment. So wow. it's uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 cool. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So I've um, I've heard many things about you actually, and I'm kind of kind of surprised that uh, we were already in the same room, and I didn't know about that. Um, I I want to approach things today like from a, a perspective of you sharing, like really to really talk about guitar um, here, and I want you to share. Um, a little bit about your your story with the instrument, and and sort of like the um, phases of the development of your development as a musician, as a guitarist, as a teacher, and how these things kind of played into your life. Because I, you know, I, I think that's sort of like a very interesting aspect that's really. Uh, really discussed and you know actually inspired by your book here. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm asking you these questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, let me make this brief so people don't fall asleep. Um, <laughs> you know, I think like so many people my age and, and younger, we we all sort of started. Most of us, I should say, started with 
rock music because the guitar is so central to that when you're growing up. Um, it's important, you know, pop and rock music. So, and then I, I studied classical guitar when I was a kid too. But, but I, I always wanted to improvise. It was just obvious. You know, one time I was doing a, a guitar recital of a Silvius Weiss, you know, Renaissance piece, and I forgot where I was, and I improvised my way out of it. And the teacher was just like, that was incredible, you know. And, and he didn't say that about the rest of my performance. So, you know, you can, you can take it from there that, that um, probably what I was best at as a classical guitarist was still improvising. Um, and it's an how, how old how old were you when we did that? Well, I started guitar when I was about ten, and I, you know, became a just better than me, mediocre classical guitar player by the time I stopped, you know, and, and sort of moved more to jazz around mm -hmm. uh, eighteen or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that. Uh, being an improviser, encountering jazz in some form is almost um, impossible not to do. So um, I, I always had a feeling that I wanted to learn everything though. So I studied so many different ways of playing the guitar, little bits here, little bits there, and always loved so many approaches and loved African music and Indian music and classical music and all of it. So. It just all ends up somehow being you at some point. And for some people that happens early. For me, it happened late. I didn't really figure out who I was till I was in my 30s, I feel like. And, um, and you mentioned teaching. But, you know, I think it's inevitable if you live long enough, you're going to share what you know, whether that's in an institution or privately. Or in this case, I, I wrote a book and and but it's really sharing what we know, not just what I know. Yeah. Um, sort of this, this brain trust of guitar players who are part of this extended community of mine, which by the way, extended even further once I wrote the book, which was great for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Improvisation. I'm trying to kind of like remember when I actually became aware of improvisation as a concept. And I think it was pretty late for me, uh, hmm. maybe in my early 20s. What, did, what instrument did you start on? Did you start on guitar? Uh, I had my first guitar lesson when I was, um, at, it was on my 15th birthday. Um, but I did play mandolin before that and some keyboards, right? So... And I think that improvisation, like for me, there was really no difference between improvisation and composition because when I was sitting down and playing, you know, AKA improvising, I was kind of like sort of thinking, not thinking as, you know, like, but, you know, analyzing what I was doing, especially on the keyboard, right? Like, you know, like going from one chord to the other and then realizing, oh, this sounds cool, this sounds interesting. And then I was always curious enough to, um, to you know, I always wanted to understand what's happening there, harmonically, yeah. say, you know. And, um, and so for me, I think I was probably like a natural improviser, but I was not aware of it. 
Um, mm. Until like when I was like around 20 years old, I joined an improvising orchestra. And then obviously that was, it was clear what I was doing. But before, mm. um, there was really no distinction there for me. And, well, I think and it's you, that way. <laughs> because the probably. best improvisers sound like they're composing. And, you know, some of the most interesting composing has a feeling of sprouting organically, you know. Like an, like an improvisation. Uh, how has the Indian music come into your life? I just always loved Indian music from the first time I heard it when I was a teenager, and I never seriously studied it, but I I did try to learn some things along the way at the Ali Akbar Khan School of Music when I lived in California, and some mm -hmm. private lessons here and there, but it's a whole world in and of itself. You know, you can't just dabble in, in uh, a sarod or, or a sitar or, and that whole system. So eventually it was more of, of just a lot of listening. And um, then I began a, a collaboration about 10 years ago with an a incredible um, Indian sarod player who also loves Western music. And then I would pick up stuff from him and try to develop techniques on the slide a little bit to evoke that. Uh, and... Um, you know, rhythmically, it's so amazing. So I made a couple records with him. And, um, you know, this idea of trying to uh, make music that's sort of from more than one culture is something a lot of us are doing these days. And it's not always easy. And this, this was, I think, worked because it was a real collaboration. There's a lot of in input from both sides. So that means you were sort of like teaching each other. Yeah, right? writing music each other. Say, what do you think should go here? He'd come up with something I never would have thought of. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he, he would maybe present something that I would add some harmony to. Mm -hmm. um, and um, a really exciting process, you know. I always wanted to make music with all kinds of different people. Yeah, I, I, I find it sometimes find it difficult to work with, um, you know, within world music with established uh, musicians or uh, older players. Um, because sometimes it feels like I can only like mold myself around what they do. And that and is so true. That, yeah. that was what it was like starting out for me. And and then, I, and that made me lose interest in it in a way. Although there's a way to do that, um, mm -hmm. I hadn't quite figured it out. Um, but but then when when I saw finally met somebody who I could be fifty fifty with, then I was like, oh, okay, now this is working. Because mm -hmm. they they just they know a lot of those older. Traditional musicians are incredible at what they do, but that's all they want to do. They're not interested in, in our world, per se. Yeah, but what's struck me as really uh, completely against how I experienced music myself uh, is that there are traditions where the music is just, just a means of expressing um, some cultural knowledge like a story there's like a narrative yeah and the, the narrative is more important or let's say not more important like the music is kind of like more uh more fixed because 
that narrative is so important to the people. And, and that has been the challenge for me to kind of like, uh, uh, you know, collaborate in a way where I can, I can add something without taking away from the narrative. And, and that, and that has been, that has been a challenge. Like, for example, if there's like a, a song that's fully uh, pentatonic, and then I, I try to kind of like see, okay, which, you know, can I, can I add the major seventh, right? And, and I did it just in the background, you know, and, and it, it's that kind of like minimal adjustment or minimal tension that was possible to add, you know, and, but I, I, I found it extremely um, instructional. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I agree. So you are you're in uh, on the East Coast now. You're you're in New York, Brooklyn. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Yeah. And you you uh, said you were on the on the West Coast in San Francisco for a long time, or uh, in the nineties. I spent about ten years out there. Uh huh. San Francisco and, and area. Did you go there because of music? Yeah, it was kind, it's kind of a long story um, how I ended up there, but um, I ended up getting a lot out of the music scene that was that was there in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Studied with a really great composition teacher out there, Alaudin Matthew. Um, went to Ali Akbar Khan School a little. Um, I had a lot of really good experiences, um, but mm -hmm. but I didn't want to stay there. Mm -hmm. You know, New York is a far more interesting place musically, mm -hmm. as everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm always surprised by the, uh, the the difficulty that you know my band has to even uh, find gigs uh, on the West Coast. Right? Like we maybe play a tour on the West Coast every five years, it's and on the e East Coast we play every year. Like what we used well, the, to, and of course the distances are so, so long out there that yeah you, you're you're gonna have to ride more planes and maybe maybe uh, once you get above San Francisco it gets a little harder. Yeah, <laughs> now, yes. and is your band the uh, the one that I saw on your website that's touring the with with Tony and Pat Mastermind? Yeah, 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 that's the that's my main oh, band. Stickman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Just two stick players and drums. That's great. I, I'd really like to hear that. Will you be playing in New York on this latest tour? Yeah, in in April, we'll be we'll be playing there at the Iridium, I think. Good. Okay. Late, late April. Hey, in, in terms of guitar, guitar, guitar playing, like you, you must have played like almost fifty years, right? Yeah, more. <laughs> than, really, horribly enough. Yeah. <laughs> every kind of gig imaginable. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of jealous. I think it's amazing to be uh, to have that that kind of history. You know, like five decades of of um you know let's say potential discoveries and development yeah. <laughs> well, you know it's funny you you always see what you don't know in life not what you do know but you know uh, 
think about all the songs I've played. And although it's easy to forget stuff when it comes back to you and, and you're, you're playing something, you go, God, I haven't played that song in 20 years and mm -hmm. it feels really great to revisit it. Um, it's, it's great to have all that history in your playing. It always, and you're always trying to figure out new ways to use it. Mm -hmm. So you're you're also a singer, and I, I have to say, I, I you know I listened to a couple, three songs that you uh, that you were playing on guitar and singing, and I really enjoyed them a lot. It's really oh. really wonderful. Which record uh, was that? Um, well, I would have to look it up because I was yeah. just browsing today, and um, oh yeah. But yeah. but it was it was um, fascinating for me because I have not been fortunate to be able or to ever try to use my voice in a musical context like really like maybe some spoken word but no no real singing yeah and and how do you, do you see sort of like a relationship like like say playing melodies on the instrument and being able to sing melodies with your voice do you do you have you developed sort of that uh, intuitive connection uh, let's say um, you know between your fingers or your fingers being able are your fingers able to find the same notes that your voice hmm. will or would find in a musical situation or is the, are those two separate things well no like that's a real challenge to play and sing at the same time is something that you really have to practice because mm -hmm. all of a sudden your time's out the window if you're not careful mm -hmm. uh, or you're concentrating on your guitar playing and if you get the lyrics or sing out of tune it's it's just something you develop and it's it's you know i i can't just learn a song and especially if i wrote it you know really i have to sit with it and and really work on it so that it feels natural mm-hmm But then piano players play with two different hands, um, completely different rhythms. So it's, it, it's like that. Yeah. Like for, for me, it comes down to sort of developing the ear to be able to hear all these things at the same time, right? Like, so it's, it's I'm, if, I, if I can hear the totality of the music, let's say, that's when the, the timing is right. You know? Yes, and so and so you you sort of have to know you're nailing your guitar part before you can really sing, mm -hmm. and and usually the guitar part's going to be pretty simple, mm -hmm. yeah, um, uh, or or repetitive, mm -hmm. you know, because where you really get into challenging situation is where you're doing um, challenging rhythmic stuff. And, and the, your voice isn't necessarily landing where the guitar is, which, mm -hmm. you know, by the way, uh, the, the later King Crimson records with Adrian Blue playing some of those rhythms and singing some of that stuff is a pretty good example of that. He, he must have had to spend quite a bit of time making that feel natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, but don't forget that he is the songwriter also. So, like, we know it comes more easily to the songwriter than to everybody else. It makes it a little easier. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, that's, um, you know, 
that's something that I've been kind of like working on for all my life to like ear training. I'd call it ear training, but it's more than that. It's sort of like uh, perception training, right? And mm. being being able to kind of like widen the sphere of what I can grasp musically. And and I've you know I've been uh, like I developed these exercises where I sing. Uh, where I kind of like clap a melody, uh, clap a rhythm, but in my mind, I imagine that I clap it, right? And then I try to sing the melody of a, of a song, like a simple children's song or like a Christmas tune or something, like on top of a rhythm in seven, say, right? Oh. Something like that. And, and that has been kind of like really, uh, has really changed my, my musical, uh, uh, understanding and, uh, yeah, but my, my question about the voice and the guitar, right? So do you do you ever improvise with your voice? Not too much. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll I'll do a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you know, in a blues club or something. But it would be embarrassing, you know. You don't want to hear me do that. I, I mean, it, <laughs> and, and you know, a little of that goes a long way. If there's one thing I, I really don't like, it's scat singing. So, for instance, I would never do that in a jazz situation. And, and as far as, like, avant-garde improv with my voice, eh, I don't know. I, I, I prefer – I'm not an adventurous as a singer at all. You know, I, I, I don't strive to write complex music or use it as a vehicle for improvisation. When it comes to songs and singing – I like things to be quite direct, usually centered on the emotional resonance of the song, telling a story, you know, old, old fashioned songwriting. Um, whereas if it's instrumental music, there's anything that can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally, uh, you know, I can, you know, I can second that. However, I'm, I'm wondering why is, improvising with your voice you know so different from improvising on your guitar well one reason is that if you look at the history of scat singing you see that there's really very little harmonic content to it because it's just too damn hard to get around like you might on a saxophone so usually it's sort of reduced to the simplest versions of the harmony in the hands of the master singers. Of course, that still sounds really good, but the, you know, the, the not quite master singers, to me, it just becomes um, kind of repetitive sounding. And, you know, ultimately, I don't know if there's an answer to your question. But I know that I share this feeling with almost everybody who I know that, you know, we're just like, oh, no, scat singing, you know. We, no, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I do agree as well. But it's just, it's just interesting to see, like, what, what is the difference, right? But there's, so there's something hard. really... Trying to sing the Giant Steps sax solo. Somebody's mm. probably done it, but um, mm. it's, your voice isn't... It would be extraordinarily difficult to move around that quickly. Um, 
you know, there's what's what's your favorite voice Im- improvisation that you know? Yeah, I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean Bobby McFerrin. That's as, yeah. about as close as it can come. Yeah, yeah. But you know, just just again thinking about um, like the music that I've been listening to for a long time um, and sort of like humming along or kind of singing along in my head, but then also sometimes with my voice. Um, over the years now, I've realized that I actually, um, I'm more capable of reproducing those lines than I thought I would be, which was kind of fascinating, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but let's go to the guitar. So guitar as um an instrument to improvise on. And you said that's something you wanted to do, or like you, you realized you wanted to do that, you know, from when you were very young. Um, jazz improvisation is something very particular in a way because mm. you, you're, you, you're improvising within a form, mm. at least in most traditional jazz, right? And, and was that your initial, was that kind of like, were you aware of that when you wanted to improvise or was that something that caught you by surprise where you realized, okay, now I got to know what the chords are, etc. Well, I guess I started out wanting to understand jazz harmony and, and West Montgomery and all that, but it, and that didn't necessarily feel like my music. So yeah. I always had a, a little bit of a, hesitation and to- totally diving into the world of straight ahead jazz guitar. I mean, it's funny now I probably practice that more than I ever have. But when I was growing up, I, I, I was more interested probably in exploring all means of improvisation on guitar, like whether it was avant-garde and effects or Almond Brothers type blues. Um, I, of course, I always like country music and, and that way of soloing, um, which is much more restrictive, but still a lot of fun. And so jazz was just a part of this whole constellation of things. And of course, the, the thing you under, begin to realize is that to understand and execute jazz harmony is a lifetime's work. It's so damn hard to do that you can't really go halfway and expect much to happen. So there are phases of my life where I've really, really focused on that. And so now it's kind of there in my bones. But, you know, I'm still, if if I'm jamming with Kurt Rosenwinkel, I feel like like a real idiot, you know, in a certain way because – this guy spent his whole life. That's what he's done. You know, he spent thousands upon thousands more hours than me, and that's what it takes to get to that level of harmony. Um, so you know, I sort of, I, I always wanted to try to do a little of everything, and it's worked for me and it's worked against me. Mm-hmm. It's not a good career choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do you still you still uh, practice improvisation then? Oh my God, that's all I practice. Yeah, because I'm 
Royce was such a terrible sight reader, you know. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it's just unfortunate. I just look at a, a p page of music and, and I go, oh, my God, it, this is this is overwhelming. And um, I mean, obviously, I can read music decently, but it's just more fun to improvise. And so now, you know, it's, it's odd, but I know quite a few of my friends who feel this way, you know, when it comes time to practice, we practice jazz tunes because it kind of prepares you for everything else. Mm -hmm. um, almost everything else, I should say. Or, or if I'm working on a record or whatever, of course I'm working on that music. But if you can really play jazz music in any sort of reasonable way, you're going to have to have good time, good harmony, decent phrasing, hopefully good tone. And so, you know, you can sort of take that anywhere you go and, and at least feel like you're in the running to sound decent. Is that your experience, by the way? I mean, that I, I don't know everything you do, but certainly the music that I heard you play is improvisation that's very particular to that music. And involves odd times, of course, and it, and is um, I don't know. You describe it. I mean, this is you, you're in one of the rare groups of musicians that has sort of found a language within rock. Yeah. Generally, if I may call your music rock, it's a lot more than yeah. that. Yeah. But um, but there's not that many rock bands who really engage improvisation. You have the Grateful Dead, and you know various jam bands uh you got jimmy herring and and derek trucks but you know as far as the sophistication of the music your 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 stuff's not easy no i i think really the uh, maybe the biggest difference is that i i come from uh, germany and i have not been exposed to jazz music really and i I, I, I do feel like I have a strong bond with jazz as a concept, but not with the sound of jazz, how it developed in the U.S. Right. right. So, so for me, my, my musical background is that I, uh, I, you know, by chance, I, I got exposed to contemporary classical music uh, in the early 70s. So I knew of Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, like, you know, even when I was like six, seven years old, right? Wow. Yeah, you know, because I, I, was, I was from that part of, from that part of Germany, you know? And, wow. and so, so I kind of like grew up with like really very avant-garde um, sound, was, was natural, was normal for me. And, and I was uh, interested in becoming a composer myself and sort of like, the, the guitar playing was just a, a means to um, to make sound so that I could compose, right? Yeah, and, I relate to that. Yeah, and so from the from the very beginning, um, I was not interested in actually, um, uh, you know, recreating a, an existing sound. Yes. So, and I've never I've never exposed myself really to that. Uh, to that challenge, I have to say, because I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's an enormous challenge to um, 
well, I have to use this word to try to sound like the masters, right? So uh, for me, it would only be trying. Yeah. And so, and so for me, I just, I just wanted to do my own thing. And with, um, yeah. with, with Stickman in particular, and like most of the other things I do, like I use free tonal harmony. Um, I've always done that because I was, I was educated uh, in the lineage of, of uh, Paul Hindemith. And um, so like, I have a very solid, um, you know, I'm classically trained. And so, so for me, uh, music is is like this this playing field is always to use all the notes like anything goes at any time yeah um, and and you know we've sort of like managed to do that with segment where there we when we improvise like things can go anywhere and things are like super harmonically complex but since it's mm -hmm. kind of like presented in this this uh sonically powerful form it kind of like ties everything together in a really interesting way. And like Crimson, Crimson is sort of like maybe the first band that did something like that in the, in the yeah. early seventies. And yeah. so, yeah. Well, let me ask you this when you're doing the stick men. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, are you more adventurous harmonically than Tony Levin or do both of you share this, musical knowledge this harmonic language and are able to explore it equally i i think tony is very tony is uh very well trained yeah and 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 uh, and so for him i i think he wouldn't come up with these situations himself but when faced with a situation that i that i create let's say he um, he responds in in amazing ways. I think I think we have really found each other. That's um, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's rare. Yeah, it's a certain type of mastery that somebody like him develops that can play the simplest bass line to make a pop song work, and then really go out and improvise almost new music. That's to me, that's the greatest thing. And from what I understand, I've never heard him play. He plays in a jazz trio with his brother. Yes, I'm, I haven't seen it, but you know, this is this is something for all us, all of us to aspire to. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it's it's really um, kind of like a wonderful thing these days. And like like you have you have uh, friendships with with lots of very very leading you know the leading master guitarists of this day. Um, so much is like, let's say, uh, artistically acceptable these days, right? Like any kind of any kind of uh, distortion of reality, musical reality, let's say, how it was presented at certain times in history. But now, like everything and anything goes somehow, and and I, yes. I find it's just a wonderful. Like just yesterday, I, I listened to a, a Miles Okazaki uh, concert that he played with a drummer, like, and I was 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 amazed again, like by by him and and by the, uh, you know, sure. the tradition. Like you were saying, like the traditions that people bring together somehow, like where yeah. you hear these elements that start to fuse now and become like almost like a new language. Yes. Well, yeah, <clears throat> that was probably Dan Weiss on drums. They have this amazing duo. Mm -hmm. um, it is exciting. Well, you know, but who would have thought 
when I, I would have never imagined growing up that there would be a group with drums and two stick players, but yeah, so there's so much variety now. Um, and you, yeah, I'm, uh, it's, you know, sometimes the challenge for younger people is finding their own language because there's so many options out there. And, and if you're like me, you want to try so many of them and, and, Sometimes it can take a while to figure out who you are in the middle of all that and to sort of let other things fall away. And would you say that you did find your, your voice? Well, it's a work in progress, but there was a certain, you know, I, okay, I'm going to answer that in two ways. There's a, a really great American writer who I admire a lot who's died not that long ago, Dennis Johnson, who all his books were different. You know, short stories, poetry, novels, short novels, and all of them different voices. We're like, could this possibly this be the same person? But um, so you, they said about him after he died, he didn't have a voice. He had voices. And I think that's true, true of me, too, that I depending on the project, I might put something a little more forward than something else in in my background. But I, I remember the point when I made my first, I think my second CD, where I, I realized, wow, this is, I finally did it. This is, this really sounds like what I've been striving for with many failed attempts before that. So, yeah. And then once you do that, you go, well, how can I challenge myself in a different way? <laughs> But still, there's something there that's identifiable. Wouldn't you agree? No matter what you I, do. I, yeah. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. And I think that what you just described, so this uh, feature of Joel that he has several voices sort of like becomes your voice, sort of like a meta Uh, like an artistic uh, persona that uh, I know that like the uh, um, I don't yeah I have to use this word like capitalism tries to tell us that you can only do one thing and and sell that and as you said like as a career choice it's not the best thing to do many things <laughs> but if that's what you do as an artist you, you, that's what you do and you can't force yourself not to be interested in, in Indian music Uh, it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. I think so, all of that works to my favor as a composer. Um, because I'm, I've learned a lot in my life that I can't execute on the guitar, but I, I can execute it on paper. Mm -hmm. So to me, that I always feel more like a composer than a guitarist. And when I play the guitar, I'm always composing, you know. Yeah, it's the same for me, exactly the same for me. And sort of like, <clears throat> since I, I started um, analyzing music um, in my teens, you know, like, and I, I realized like you can even appreciate the architecture, the composition without factually hearing it at the same time. You can kind of enjoy the structure and you know when I'm when I'm teaching uh, uh, theory like sometimes like we analyze um, like monophonic Bach pieces 
um, the students and I, you know, and, and I get super excited about like, while I'm analyzing, like about the genius of what he was doing and we haven't even heard a single note. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I love that about music that it is hmm. like, you know, a lot of people kind of, and I have, I have to say kind of like sometimes reduce it to sound. And I think music is more than sound if that makes any sense, because like, because it is the organizational principle um, that you can find within the sound is something that also exists away from the sound. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. But also it shows you have a pretty high level of education to be able to look at a score and know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I heard, I listened to a, a movement from your string quartet that was posted on top of your projects page on your website. And, uh, and yeah, that was, I was cool to hear that because it was a little bit like, like what you just said, like a few minutes ago, this is, this is a composer. I said, so this is not a guitarist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I love that. You know, I, I actually, I really love that. Yeah. Well, part of it, of it for me is, is, you know, to play, you're using your body. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about your body, but my body doesn't always do what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. Something starts to hurt or feel uncomfortable or feel clumsy. Um, but if I'm writing, doesn't matter. Yeah, you don't have to play it, right? <laughs> it can be in, I can be infinite in my imagination. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always been a little envious of those rare players that when they play, it just feels like, oh, God, this person could do anything. They've just got this, this uh, endless storehouse inside of them. And then whatever they ask their body to do, it seems to be able to do it. How is that possible? Right? Do you, do, do you really think that that's the case? Because I, I have come to the sort of conclusion that um, a great technical facility um, becomes sort of like a limiting factor as, at some point as well. I mean, if I, 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 I'm not saying that there are like, I'm sure there are people where that is not the case, but. Um, well, I think it depends on the person. I think that that if somebody's conscious of the fact that they can really, really play fast, but they don't have to all the time, yeah. that's the rare individual. Because once you can play fast, apparently we can see from history that you do play fast most of the time. You can't help it. <laughs> um, but but I, I have talked to, you know, small handful of players in my lifetime who have said to me, I can sort of play anything I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the question is, well, are they hearing something interesting? But, exactly. but it's amazing to me, like, wow, that must be an amazing feeling. How, how joyful that must be not to always be fighting your body in a certain way, not that I'm always fighting, but that to feel that infinite well of possibilities, which I feel when I'm composing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the physical aspect of playing a musical instrument is obviously the most challenging. Um, well, you play stick. What 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 kind of crazy person are you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> and, and, but I, I guess it's sort of like kind of what plays into into this discussion that I chose an instrument that nobody really could play, at least back, back in the early 90s. Like there were like maybe two or three guys. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. So um, I chose it because for me, um, and we agreed on that also, um, the, the, the musical instrument is just a means to, to create the sound world. And, yeah. and because when you're starting out, you can't expect other people to, to, uh, you know, to play your compositions, even though like for some people that works out. But, uh, for me, it was important to also learn about the, the other side, uh, the performing side. And I think I've become, uh, you know, you, you know, like you have you having written a string quartet, like my string quartet that I wrote. I, I kind of like try to not feel limited by what the players could do. So what I did actually to not to not fool myself, I, I, I wrote the pieces in in software, right? But I never used a string sound or strings as sounds to to listen to like back to the composition. I used bell sounds. Because uh -huh. I didn't want, I didn't want to get kind of like distracted. That's uh, very by, good strategy. It it worked, you know. Like like all I did was like I checked the ranges. Obviously, I know what the tunings are, so I know what the open strings are. That, that's that's easy, right? But beyond that, I tried not to limit my writing uh, by knowing what the idiomatic stuff is that that's you know string players do and actually like uh with guitar it's like one of the major uh kind of like problems that i have with a lot of players is where like somebody may be really really great but it sounds too idiom if it sounds too idiomatic to me then i get bored easily yeah that is the problem with guitar because guitar is very hard it's very hard to get out of the way the box of a guitar. Mm -hmm. It 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 uh, piano is a lot easier, sax is easier. It's set up in a way that that first of all, it's really hard to play. Number one, I don't know if people realize not to play a few chords and sing along on a folk tune. That's pretty easy, but to really negotiate harmony, um, to coordinate your hands and figure out where you are, since all the notes. Like you can play middle C in five different places. It's incredibly hard. And I think that's why a lot of people fall into habitual positions and patterns. And it, it's a very pattern oriented instrument. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just had this, this case yesterday working with a student where I asked him to play uh, the notes of the C major chord of the triad on the fretboard, like any, in any combination, right? And what happened was that I could see his hand, hand always trying to go into into a shape where he could be able to play a chord. But I said, no, no, play the notes off. So like just play the single notes of the chords. And you could see his hand was almost like like automatically trying to find a position where you could finger two or three notes at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's our lot. And trying to break out of that is is our goal, and uh, many have tried. Only a few have succeeded, <laughs> and a lot of them are in my book. <laughs> so how did how did the book come about? The idea for the book. 
Well, you know, for years I've been, I've had this um, organization called the Alternative Guitar Summit where I produce concerts and now I do a camp in the same place where you do your camp mm-hmm. and um, at, the, at Full Moon Resort. And I had in the process of a few years interviewed some people just like you're doing. Um, I didn't have a visual, but I had, had some podcasts and really always enjoyed talking with people and learning about them. And then I started to interview people at my concerts. And all of a sudden, um, when somebody said, hey, you should consider putting out a book of interviews, I realized two things. One is I already had at least half the book. And two, that I really enjoy interviewing people. So why not? And so I just decided to do it. And it's been really great. And I'm, now I'm on to volume two. Oh, you are. <laughs> cool. And it's going to take a while, but well. Do you think that you um, have you learned from other players a lot? Oh my God, it's just so much. I mean, also because of my camp, I have these incredible musicians who I invite, all of whom are better guitar players than me, to mm-hmm. teach. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, wow, I wish I'd had this when I was a kid. So, you know, I'm learning way, way more than I could ever do myself about how people think and about their approach and and all this stuff. So I think as a teacher it's helpful because I've, I've, I've really heard so many different perspectives um and and also just people's life story it's pretty interesting you know what made them who they are like when you you know especially sometimes people who are your heroes you know and you sort of wow okay this kind of demystifies it to me this is how what you went through to to get to where you are it's fascinating Mm -hmm. It's totally fascinating, and I'm I'm sort of embracing that as a as a teacher nowadays, to also look at the, um, yeah, I mean, you know, some people call it that you need to have to say something, right? Like as a musician, somehow. So yeah, um, so that means that like your every everyday experience kind of plays a big role by in terms of inspiration, and. Uh, and a motivation, yes, for sure, but also inspiration. Yes. And and uh, can you can you tell me what you know? Were there were there times in your life where you were not inspired to actually play the guitar or to make music? Ever. Well, I almost never lose the urge to compose, but I often lose the urge to play guitar because it's mm-hmm. just so goddamn hard mm-hmm. and you know candidly speaking the business of music simply gets worse and worse the older i get and so i tend to be motivated as a player because i have somewhere to perform and especially with covid you know it's made it worse and there are many times where I just think, uh, well, why am I going to practice today? 
And it, it always comes back to simply because I want to. Um, but as a composer, I, I just, I get excited more easily because it, again, it feels more infinite to me. I feel like I can express myself more. So I try to, you know, accept that that's the way it is, is for me now and that not punish myself like I used to if I don't play as you know much in a given week as I should think I should um, and then yeah of course there's times where you feel like oh man I I don't know what to write I don't know why I'm doing this I don't know I've wasted my life it's hopeless all those thoughts you know I mean just Almost, I don't know how many people avoid that. Um, you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. And then, then the sun's shining and you pick up your instrument and you go, ah, this is cool. I'm so lucky. <laughs> Let me just have some fun. Yeah. You know, luckily for me, you know, I, again, like I, I hear you, totally hear you. Um, I haven't woken up at night though, like for <laughs> with concerns like that. But yeah, COVID has really uh, kind of like shown us artistic types, let's say, uh, how you know that we're at the low, uh, how do you say, the low end of the oh. food chain somehow. <laughs> yeah, and also it's taught us a lot about self motivation. Yes, you know. At a certain point, you know, after the first couple of months go by, you're like, okay, this is now my time to learn how to play solo. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. Because how, how, how did you approach that? For me, it was playing jazz tunes because I, I wasn't attracted to writing solo guitar pieces, but then I started to do that also. But I decided I would more wanted to write music for other people to play. Mm -hmm. on guitar but as far as improvising you know i had never taken these jazz tunes and tried to play them a lot on my own it was always based on playing with others and man did i learn a lot and then it started to get really fun because as as much as this sounds like a revelation i should have had when i was 20 it took me that long to realize that wow i'm practicing music now I'm not practicing technique so much, although that's there. I'm not practicing um, coordination or, or harmony. I'm practicing a piece of music, and that made it more fun for me. And it also felt like I was filling in a hole in my development because most, most of these people – did this in school where I didn't, I was writing weird avant-garde music and, you know, thinking, you know, jazz isn't for me. And, you know, playing really loud, crazy rock music when I was in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, you know, this has come up um, a lot for me in the, in the past year, this idea of um, using, well, utilizing music, as an educational tool, right? I, I think for me, it's more, it's more of a fluid situation. Like you can, you can play a piece of music as an exercise, uh, but you can also 
play an exercise as a piece of music. So true. Yeah. Right. Right. So it kind of like depends on the attitude, on the on the on the on the mood we're in, and also on the on 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 what we're working on. And sometimes we don't even know what we're working on. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but a lot of times, if I don't have anything else I want to do, I just play Bach. Yeah. It yeah. always works. It's never boring. It's always challenging, and you always feel better afterwards. Yes. Just play the music of the master. Yes. I mean, the, the, the challenge with the instrument that I play was always was that there was no, no technique, no tradition um, about yeah, technique. That's and so, so that's why, for me, the, the focus with, with like a new student is always to give them a solid foundation. And like for somebody who practices every day uh, for like three, four months, it's no problem. And then you can kind of like move on and play music. But, but for me also as an improviser, like I, I, I wonder what you think about this. Um, for me, like the technical facility and what I mean by that is that like my fingers basically can go to any place on the fretboard at any time in any combination and like kind of like um, uh, express say the mental image I've, I don't want to talk about like what I'm hearing because it's not necessarily what I'm hearing. It's, it's like I can it can also be something that I'm feeling right mm -hmm. so so mm -hmm. and and uh, and so that's why uh, I've had a lot of focus on on technical exercises but I don't think that I really use them in a musical situation so it's only it's only to prepare the body he, yes right yeah you know, absolutely you have to do that stuff I mean I I guess I just do less of it than I used to. But you have to spend those countless hours doing that. Absolutely. And yeah, you don't want that necessarily to come out in your playing. But but it's there. It's implied. And it, and it enables you to sort of execute what you're hearing in the moment. It was fascinating when I watched that song of yours where you were singing and, and, and playing some arpeggios. Um, like your right hand... It was it was pretty obvious that you had played and practiced a lot it, just by looking at your right hand, uh, and I, I you know like seeing something like that makes me happy because like I kind of like like see that there is there that there is like a um, I don't know even know how to put it like work and love right or yeah you know, put into what you do. And, and it just makes me so happy to see and hear that and hear the result of that work, of that labor, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it a fascinating world, like making music? And as you say, the guitar is a very, very hard instrument. Kind of yeah. like an en endless, endless space that you can... But it's also the thing that I really love about the guitar is it, there's so much you can do on it. The possibilities are so limitless with an electric guitar, especially um, the sounds you can make, uh, all the the history of roots music, um, the different volumes you can use. You can use harmony or not use harmony. Um, you can just play noise 
Mm-hmm. It's it's really great that way. And the differences between acoustic and electric or national steel, um, mm-hmm. slide, so many different sounds a guitar can make. So you you did work with Mick Goodrick, is that right? Yeah, for, for most of one year, yep. That was when I was very young. Mm-hmm. But he must have had a, a huge influence, right? He did have an influence. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah, in fact, we are um, in March of, I guess it's March 12th in two months, we're doing a concert celebrating him and a lot of his students are going to be part of that. So it's really going to be cool. Um, some will play live and some will, will stream, but you know, like Julian Lodge and Wolfgang, let's be able to play together for the first time, uh, that type of thing. So that's really going to be gratifying. Is, is that going to be part of your, Alternative Guitar Summit? Yeah, that's kind of the only thing I'll do. Because with COVID, I just haven't wanted to schedule anything major. But this will be in a small space and streamed all over the world. So, um, you know, uh, I hope anybody watching this will will check that out. Yeah. So, so what was, what was the um, pre-COVID form of the Alternative Guitar Summit? Well, usually three concerts, um, they'll be, uh, you know, all totally different um, mm-hmm. with with uh, people collaborating or doing their solo projects, or maybe we do the music of a certain composer, um, a living composer, music mm-hmm. of Ralph Towner, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, usually people who are not, super famous every now and then one or two people are pretty well known um always in new york city and then i have i have been doing since covid virtual camp every year you know camp teaching mm-hmm. one weekend of teaching which we're going to also do at the end of february and then uh, and then the summer camp i do which is the most fun thing for me mm-hmm. You, you guys have a very dedicated following for that camp, I've learned. Guys yeah, who just yeah. come back, and it's mostly guys, of course. Same with my camp. Unfortunately, <laughs> as much as we wish that it was more, um, there's more diff- different. <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's probably about 10 to 15% women now. What? So it's, it's not, not too You're bad, so yeah. We had two women out of a hundred people last year for the guitar camp, and I was just, oh, what am I doing wrong? Or what is the? It's not me. It's the guitar world. It's yeah. changing, but it's not changing fast enough. But that's yeah, yeah. Your camp is fills up, you know, right away. You have people who it's like a family, right? Yeah, it that's like it. It's it's sold out. It's sold out before it was even uh, announced. What? Like it's, yeah, it's crazy like that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I really hope that I can go this year because the, um, you know, the situation with, uh, you know, getting visas is, has become incredibly difficult. That's like just an, awful. You know, I've, I've even, I've 
I even haven't received replies from from uh, immigration lawyers that I contacted to help me this this time. Like no response. So and you're starting now. This is for August. Well, no, I I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I always used to start a year before I needed the new visa. I still have a good one for, which is good uh, till mid of June, but uh -oh. I won't, I won't have one for August. So it's, uh, it's a horrible situation. Oh, um, no, I, I don't mean to, uh, to, to, uh, you know, alert, alert the, the uh, officials to any nefarious activity, but. But I'm just curious. I've never, I I know what it's like to say come into Great Britain without a visa if you're going to play a gig. Basically, what happens is you show up. Like, are you always carrying? You're, nobody would know what your instrument was, so that's not an issue. Can't you just say I'm visiting a friend if you're coming for a week in August? It doesn't. It doesn't work because they find out somehow. They Google you, and there's your name, and you're working. And yeah, I mean, first of first of all, the uh, the stigma is the visa that I had, right? So they know that I used to come to the U.S. with a work visa. Oh. And, and so that, that's all they need to know. Oh. And, and so what happened to me twice already, the, I didn't have the work visa anymore, and I was just visiting, and they always took me to the back room. Yeah. And, and Googled. And, and I mean, I, I kind of like, in a way, I understand that they need to check, right? So... Like I'm, you know, but but yeah, it's but really, it's really because funny. you're not taking work away from anyone by coming to do this camp. Nobody else can do what you're doing. Yeah, and that yeah. should be simple. I tried to get some guys from Norway to come over and play uh, at one of my concerts, and you know the visa. Was, this is pre-COVID. It was cost like two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, it's a, it's just awful. And even John McLaughlin. Remember him saying, I don't want to come play in the U.S. anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of dealing with this visa bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's sad, you know. And especially for me, since a lot of my friends and, and fans are in the U.S. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a, a pretty, pretty sad, sad, sad situation. But okay. anyway, let's, let's, I'm let's trying. not. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like it seems, um, you know, like what I was saying about the food chain, right? The, yes. the art, the arts or cultural, cultural um, reasons, they don't really exist in the mind of a bureaucrat. Uh, so. No, no, you're right. Yeah. What, what city are you in in Germany? I'm in Berlin. Okay. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, will, will you will you travel um, this year? Are you going to travel out of outside of the U.S.? Not that I know of, because it's it just has not felt reasonable to try to schedule anything. I mean, I can't even imagine what anyone would in Europe would say to me right now, you know, that it's one thing if you're a real star, mm -hmm. but you know, they probably got so backed up in everybody that they've wanted to have, you know, two years worth of um, concerts that have to be made up for. I mean, it's, it's just hard to, 
fathom the backlog and it was always hard to get gigs and now um i don't know man yeah we'll so see. so have you been uh like let's just ask you this way have how depressed have you been throughout no, not this that. because what i've been doing is writing music Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, of course I miss playing. Um, that's that's such a part of who we are. But, man, I've written a lot of music over the past 18 months, a ton of music. And so that's really exciting. And thank God for being a composer, because I think it would it would be harder if, if I was just a player, you know, and not not playing a lot. And I playing's kind of come back, you know. It'll be okay. I think it'll be, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to book stuff in Europe or anything like that, but as far as just playing, you know, gigs around where I live or the U.S., it, all of that will come back. And, um, you know, we have to remember that. And it did for a while, and then it, now it's gone away again, but it'll come back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really see um, like po- there's potential for for some even some good stuff to happen after this because things will have to kind of like you know the cards need to be reshuffled somehow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah yeah and and for some people that's going to be very bad they, I think that it, uh, a lot of um, like um, older uh, um, idols of ours, right? They were maybe like still going and, uh, but just yeah. just imagine like having like a three year break in your in your usual schedule yeah. and that, that really puts you, uh, well, it's a generational change that I, I yes. suspect is gonna happen, right? I think that's true, yeah. And and you're, you know, two three years gone. You're like, I don't have that many years left to do what I do. You know, this real. I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people, it feels really like something has been stolen away. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're always at mercy at the mercy of forces greater than us. Yeah. And so how we deal with it is is always the the test. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't control history, but we can control how we react to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's wonderful to have music. I know. God, at least we're so good at entertaining ourselves, you know. So, <laughs> so lockdown comes, and I'm like, you know, a lot of my friends and I, we'd say, well, this is awful. Yeah, what's going on? But... I'm kind of like enjoying like being able to totally focus on whatever it is, playing, practicing, or writing a piece of music. Or there was an upside for for musicians, and and you can say that while also lamenting all the suffering people have gone through. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, done a lot of writing too, you know. Like I'm I'm trying to put together a book of essays and. Um, 
you know, there's been more time for that. You know, for me, that's always something I might fit in in between things. So. What are these essays about? Well, obviously music, but um, I'd say some of them are just uh, experiences of mine and reactions I've had and people who I've really valued. Um, so it's not music criticism. I don't think I'd be very good at that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more just, um, storytelling. Yeah. Wonderful. I think story, storytelling is, is, uh, is a big, is a very powerful tool. And and but at, at the same time, I think because music, like music, at least for me, uh, doesn't have to tell a story, which is kind of like the ultimate art form for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. But when it's working, it it always does. You know? It always does. Yeah. Anybody can interpret it any way they want, but you you know, you always feel it. Like, yeah, that that really had a beginning and middle and end, didn't it? And there was like such a feeling of, of uh, being taken somewhere into another land. Mm -hmm. So are, are you mostly playing uh, the electric these days? Yeah, it's hard for me to play, play acoustic. Um, I have some arthritis, you know, and tendon issues. You know, it's like being an athlete after a while. Um, you want a guitar that's really easy to play. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, constantly stretching and trying to exercise and do yoga and keep everything working. But uh, acoustic, it's, it's wonderful, and I still do it some, but I'm more at home on electric. Mm-hmm. And are you still um, using effects? Oh yeah, yeah. Less than I used to. I don't. I don't know why. It's just more fun to just play the guitar than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that. You know, the more the more stuff you carry around with you, the more that can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's very true. I mean, I don't remember when I saw you per se, I seem to remember you having a pretty big pedal board. Am I yeah. right? Like you got, you really got into some technologically, uh, you know, this was three or four years ago, but I remember like looking at you and going, I don't know how this guy's making this sound right now. Like there's some technological thing going on and it's probably some looping or, yes. you know, sampling or effects of various kinds that really were quite cool and i'm going to come and see you guys uh this summer i'm going to come for a night so now we'll know each other <laughs> great it's gonna you'll be, be there man season. you'll you'll get that visa i mean it, come on yeah you'll I'm, figure I'm out a way you'll, you'll, you'll swim <laughs> you know the, the thing is that there is not not much you can do if if the you know if the system doesn't work right 
Like it's, I don't know. I know. I know. You feel so helpless. And, and these days, yeah, it, you know, you, you can't, your camp will be online. It will be somewhere. It'll be findable. Your name will be findable. And it's like, you know, you used to be able to kind of go into Canada to play and, you know, nobody would really know, put your guitar in the back and get it now. Mm. And what, what promoter is going to bring you in if you don't have your thing advertised? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive and, and, um, but you know, I've had the situation twice already where I just didn't get the visa and, or didn't get it in time. But, you know, as you said, like, uh, you know, I, I got lucky and had a three year visa now, but I w was only able to play one tour, which barely made the money back that the visa cost, right? <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Happened at the, yeah, that, that was the one time you should have had the one-year visa. The three-year should have started now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, it's just so, uh, interesting times. And I, I think I'm trying to, to stay positive in the sense that, as we were saying at the beginning, like also like when you're, when you're writing, when, you know, you know, writing music, there is sort of like, a, um, and I don't, I don't even know how it works, but some, some sort of inspiration happens, right? That is very much kind of tied to what's happening around you. And, and only, only in hindsight, sometimes you kind of understand why you did a certain, why you played a certain way or, it it was actually pretty pretty interesting for me because I have a, a band called Truce, and uh, we released an album two years ago, and we had like your know, plans to to tour and to record a second album right away, and like all of that didn't happen, and we went back into the studio um, in July last year, and that was like two years after we'd recorded the first album, and we basically started playing, um, trying to play like we did on the first album. And it came like as like a real shock, like really like an emotional strike in the face. Like we can't play like that anymore. We couldn't. It was, wow. you know, that, that lightness, let's say, of that first mm. album, that playfulness just wasn't available. Wow. And it was shocking. I was, I was kind of like really like sad for a moment, like not knowing what should we do. And then mm. obviously things sorted themselves out as we kept playing, but it like and I, I would have never had um, expected that I would have had that that uh, strong of a reaction um, you know that is really interesting yeah yeah I found myself writing some pretty contemplative music over the past 18 months for sure and yeah when you when you jump back on stage when you haven't been doing a lot of gigs you're not ah, rusty just like oh Come on, yeah. remember, you remember this, come on, hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there, there was something, there was more to it even. Like, Your spirit. Yeah, like a spiritual rust. <laughs> yes. That's a good name for a band. Spiritual rust. That's, hey, maybe that's going to be the title of our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I borrow that to name a tune? 
Of course. Yeah. Feel I'll, free. I'll credit you. <laughs> hey, You're thank you so much, Joel. Thank you. Hey, this has really been fun. Yeah, it's it's so wonderful for me to get to talk to people. Like, and really, like the the initial thought was like I start doing the having these conversations just for myself, and hopefully for the people that I'm talking to. Yeah. But you know, not thinking about like what other what other people would take from it. But it's it's been a pretty pretty uh, at least artistically successful endeavor <laughs> to do these conversations. Now you and do you put these on YouTube or do you just have them on your website or what do you do? Yeah, they they are on YouTube and they are also on all podcasting services, so people can find them on Apple and Amazon and Spotify and whatever. So it's it's okay. it's a it's you know like people can subscribe and then they always get the new episode downloaded on their device. Sure. Yeah, and Correct. also also on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, good, good. I'm really glad you included me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I really, I mean, I, it, this, this is, this is not a, uh, for promotion, but this book is great. It is for promotion. It is for promotion. <laughs> it's our talk. But, but don't we don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, okay. For any guitar player, there's going to be something. To, to learn in there. I don't know about the other instruments, but um, it was a lot of fun to put together, as was talking with you. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, you're welcome. see you in August, if not before. In April. Yes. I'll see you in, in April. April. In April, yes. Okay. Okay, Good. see you then. Yeah, bye-bye okay. for now. Bye. Bye, Joe. Bye-bye.